As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. After a third bid for Southampton's Romeo Lavia was rejected on Monday, Liverpool legend Jamie Carragher took to social media to blast the club's, his words not mine, embarrassing failures in this summer's transfer market. At the time of recording, seven midfielders have been allowed to leave the club. Just the two reinforcements have been signed. So what's the hold-up? And how have three sporting directors in 18 months impacted Klopp's position within the club? I'm Ayo Akinwaleri and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Jürgen Klopp and his staff, or the recruitment team, decided we don't need to buy a midfielder. That is on them. They want us to be a, a possession team, like specialists. Specialists in possession, specialists in high press. And that's how I want to do this preseason. Whatever we do, we try to do it even after all the years, try to, to raise the bar again and again and again. Okay, so in the studio, we've got Tony Evans, journalist and host of the Athletics Liverpool podcast, Walk On. And we've also got Raf Honningstein, the Athletics German football correspondent. Right, I've mentioned the tweet. Jamie actually said, this is embarrassing. Liverpool for years now have got deals done quickly with no fuss. If you don't think he's worth 50 million, move on. If you really want him, pay it. Also, not sure why LFC aren't in for Caicedo. Yes, it's a lot of money, but Liverpool got big money for Henderson and Fabinho. Tony, let's start with you on this. Is he right? Well, yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. um, Because obviously no one expected the Saudi intervention into the transfer window. And that took Liverpool by surprise. And we know that the recruitment department has had turmoil for a couple of years. It does seem strange that you're haggling over, you know, four or five million with Southampton and there are better players, more ready-made players available, you know, Casado, as you say. So, yeah, I can see his point, especially with the departures, because they are short in midfield. I mean, the reality is, do Liverpool want to be caught in a dogfight with with Chelsea for for the price of Casado? Well, I mean, obviously, that's something they wouldn't want to get into. But you want a ready-made midfielder to come in, play at the Premier League level. And obviously, we spent all last year talking about the midfield. It's broken. Fix it. 
Jared Neville also argued that Klopp has been, his word, shielding the owners for years. Do you agree or disagree with that one? I, again, I have mixed feelings about it because Klopp bought into the way Fenway Sports Group run things and it, it clearly worked for a while. The problem is there was a, a system there that you know involved Michael Edwards, Mike Gordon and Klopp, which worked really well the three of them together and that broke down and once that broke down too much power has been centered on Jürgen Klopp interesting well let's go back to that Lavia deal will they actually get Lavia in the door well our Liverpool correspondent James Pearce has the latest oh Romeo we're four off that Romeo ball in it's a weird one back out to Lavia shoots and scores what a brilliant Discussions remain ongoing between the two clubs. As we reported on Monday, a third bid from Liverpool, a fee in the region of £46 million. That was the package that was put forward. That was rejected as the two earlier bids of around £37 and £41 million were also turned down, with Southampton sticking rigidly to their valuation. They want at least £50 million. Frustration for Liverpool because you know clearly now any hopes of getting Lavia in in good time to get him get him ready for the the start of the Premier League season of of bitten the dust it's just a case of what can Jurgen Klopp do now with the the options at his disposal he doesn't have a great deal of options available to him in that number six position because Thiago has missed the whole of pre-season due to injury the same goes for young Stefan Bassetic who, who impressed everyone in joining his breakthrough season last year so it means that really it's a toss-up between playing Curtis Jones as a number six you know somewhere where he did he did play in that deeper role for England at 21s this summer but his skill set is better suited to playing further forward or Alexis McAllister again he has played deeper but though that was largely at Brighton when he had Caicedo alongside him. It's turning into a saga, a summer-long one for Liverpool in terms of Romeo Lavia, especially considering the fact that, you know, it's been at least three weeks now since it was abundantly clear that Fabinho would be on his way to Saudi Arabia and the fact that Liverpool still haven't replaced the Brazilian is a real concern for supporters with that big Premier League game at Stamford Bridge coming up on Sunday. We well, talked about Edwards and um, it felt like Liverpool were operating so efficiently in the transfer window. Some great players coming through, uh, Mo Salah, uh, Virgil van Dijk, for instance. Uh, what has changed? Well, obviously, Michael Edwards left um, and then Mike Gordon went to, to try and sell the club and it didn't work. And that left a huge vacuum there, which... Klopp has had to fill and I don't think it's a strength I remember I spoke to him oh, during the pandemic we had um, I did a long interview with him and he was talking about uh, being a manager and being a coach and he said I don't really want to be a manager in the sort of traditional English style he said you know I just want to be a coach he said I come in he said I didn't expect to have to buy players and, um, and he talked at length at that and he's kind of become a traditional English manager in that sense, or at least more than he has been. And I think, well, I'm not sure he would appreciate having some of the burden taken off him at the moment, but I think he'd work better if it was removed. Rafa, you've obviously you've always seen his you've seen his career from obviously Dortmund, Mainz as well, and also now at Liverpool. What kind of manager is he within a, a, a club structure? 
Well, one of the reasons why he got the job in the first place is because he didn't want to be one of those overbearing mm. managers who make all his demands on, I need a new striker, I need a new midfielder, I need to do this. He was happy to work within a structure. As Tony said, for, for years, it, it worked very well. There was probably always a bit more tension behind the scenes that we heard about, but mm. it didn't really matter because it was a productive tension and the diversity of thought, you know, had its consequences in in really good signings and now we're in a position where I think Klopp has been forced to take more responsibility because of that vacuum um, there isn't that Michael Edwards figure that perhaps was ready also to say no to Klopp at times um, famous example is Klopp really wanted Julian Brandt uh, Michael Edwards really wanted Mo Salah Julian Brandt is a great player but Salah has been a sensation and I think that transfer alone will probably, you know, go down in one of the greatest go one of the mm. greatest deals you know, deals done in, in recent years in the Premier League. I think that Klopp, despite what he told Tony a few years ago, of course, likes the fact that there's no one telling him what to do and what <laughs> not to do. At the same time, I think he could do with a bit more help. And now they have a short-term appointment in Hans-Jörg Schmatke, who I'm sure is is pretty good at doing doing deals. And I think with the Lavia one, if I can just come back to that yeah, quickly, yeah, for sure. I don't see a big problem in Klopp's haggling. I think maybe a few years ago we wouldn't have heard step by step what the negotiations are, and you just you know you hear that Liverpool interest, and ten days later the deal is done, and nobody says anything. Now. You have a lot more transparency, uh, you have a lot more leakage, and you get a sort of a play-by-play commentary, and it looks as if it's very complicated and very embarrassing that they can't agree on a million here or there. But mm. this is this is how transfers happen all the time. You just didn't hear about it that much. So I don't have a problem with that, and I think that Lavia will, will be done. Uh, I don't think that Liverpool will be finished. I think they need more midfielders. But... Yeah, in an ideal world, that they, they wouldn't be going into the start of the season with so many gaps to plug. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving to talk about the players in, in just a second, actually, because I'm, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold moving into a new position and all that, and obviously the, the, the midfield deficit. I just want to touch on something uh, you wrote about um, in, in 2020, actually, understanding Jurgen Klopp. Um, it's never about him in, in that article you wrote at The Athletic. And it was obviously a, a quote um, from Martin Kast, the German football reporter, uh, basically saying that it's never really about Klopp. For him, it's more about, you know, that the, the people around him and, and celebrating with those people around him and actually not caving too much into negativity. It's fair to say that Liverpool have definitely had a bit of a fall from grace over the last, last few years. Do we get a sense that Jurgen Klopp still has that hunger to override this and actually come out of this much stronger? Yeah, I think I think he still has that hunger. And I think that he had a very down season the year after they won the, the title. Uh, Tony alluded to this. Uh, it was that COVID season. Uh, his mum passed away. Liverpool weren't doing well. There was a real sense of sort of a footballing depression that had fallen upon the club. There was a strong fear he'd leave at that point. Mm. But that has completely changed. And I spoke a lot to him during last season where, of course, they underachieved and they only finished fifth. I sensed pretty early on that he was determined not to go out on a low. Mm. And I think there's a huge appetite to win one more big trophy before his time is up. 
it might be that if he wins something big, he might bring that forward and say, you know what, I go a year early. Um, he still, I think, has his eye on the Germany job. So depending on what happens there with Hansi Flick, that might then influence his thinking. And maybe if things had worked out differently on the Germany front, we might have seen Klopp leave earlier. But I do sense that, the, in the words of Pete Kravitz, the hunger to achieve always outweighs the fear of, of failure of mm -hmm. failure, and of coming short. And uh, despite, I think, a general sense, maybe with one or two sections of Liverpool supporters, that this is shaping up to be another difficult season, I don't get that from him. I get real optimism and uh, this sense of let's, let's really go again. And I think a lot of it's down to players being fit because rightly or wrongly, I think in his mind, the biggest problem about last season was not changing the midfield or, or maybe shifting players out earlier, but um, the disruption from injuries. Are you surprised he signed a contract extension considering you thought at one point that Jurgen Klopp might be leaving Liverpool? Well, I wasn't surprised because you saw the change in his mood from, I mean, he was really down in that COVID season and, and no wonder, I mean, the, the world was down, mm, the world you know, and down, the, yeah. you know, he had, he had, you know, personal loss and, and he hated playing in empty stadiums, you know, he really does feed off the, the fans and he feeds off the, again, one of the things he, he, he once said to me, he said, you know, he said, if I, if I wasn't involved in football, he said, I'd be going to the match. I'd be a fan. I'd be in the, you know, he said, you know, I wouldn't be standing anymore. I'd, I'd have to sit in the seat. I'd, I love it. And he does. Um, and I think the other thing that people often um, don't see about him because, you know, he comes over really smiley and happy and he's always sort of bouncy. Obviously, after matches, he's sometimes unhappy. <laughs> but he really does have a core of steel, you know, behind that smile. And he's always up for the fight. So I don't know what sort of... Uh, how they're going to do this season because the one thing I will say about Klopp is he's never struck me as a tactician he stumbled on the system that was so successful for Liverpool it came almost organically it was no no one sat down and said oh you know this is how I'm going to do it with wing backs it just happened and the team developed now that is brilliant in one way because what he did is he utilized the, the you know the abilities he had and the, the he, he turned them into a massive threat. On the other hand, there's been times when opposition managers have, have obviously looked at the system Liverpool played and worked it out. And you know it's easy to stop. And I'm not sure the sh shape the team's going to take this season. So um, so that'll be really interesting. If if we do take Tony's theory that Klopp isn't a, a master tactician. Does that then mean that when the chips are down and we do have injuries and players exiting, that there necessarily isn't a plan B? Can we, is there any links we can find here to the Dortmund collapse? Well, I mean, first of all, Klopp, like many managers who play different styles, their answer is, is never plan B. Their answer is only plan A, mm. but better. Because um, once you do plan B and then C and then D, what, what is your football? Problem is not us doing the same thing. The problem is when we don't do it well enough. And to Tony's point, yeah, you know, we've been playing the same style for six, seven years. People know what we're doing, but they still tend to lose most games against us. And we're still pretty competitive. And we were a couple of games away from winning all four trophies 12 months ago. So either people cannot work it out because it's so complicated or they can work it out, but still can't stop stop you when you, when you play it well. I think he's, he's a really underrated tactician. Mm. I think because he hides it behind this 
big character and the hugging and all this kind of stuff. People don't see him as a tactician, but when you talk to him after a game and he goes into really minute details of why things in a certain position didn't work out and then they had to change a half time, put a guy 20 meters forward and had to stop a guy in the half space, as you can see that he sees the game on a different level to most normal people, mm -hmm. shall we say. Is he, is he Guardiola? Is he like a management genius? Probably not. But I don't think you get as far with the players he's had, which has never been world-class players up until very recently in his career, if you look at the 20 years in management, without knowing how to improve a team tactically. I don't think it is about reinventing this Liverpool. I don't think we'll see a reinvention of shape. Things are always changing quite gradually because, and I would say it's a good thing, because Liverpool have an identity. They have a starting eleven of sorts. They have an idea of what they're trying to do. You don't have to now completely change everything. Yes, in possession, Trent Alexander-Arnold pushes inside, which is something that started with Alaba under Guardiola and uh, has been taken forward with um, various players at City. And now Klopp's decided on doing something similar. It doesn't really change that much. It's just a slightly different position in possession, uh, which helps with protecting the back four. But of course, comes at a price of width going forward. So then you need... I think one of the reasons why we've seen Soboslai um, being bought is that he can, in theory, play as the right-sided eight in Henderson's position. But like Henderson has done at times really high up, but more effectively than Henderson has done because Henderson was never that great in small spaces. Because you might have to do that if Trent stays more centrally and stays in a, in a deeper position. I think it comes back to the squad. You look at the, the forward line that they have, And I think you struggle to find a better one in That's the Premier League. That's fantastic, isn't it? Jota, Salah. Um, the back four, when they're fully fit and all there, is pretty strong, I would argue. It's what happens the in between. It? The and the midfield for Liverpool has often just been a place to actually get through. <laughs> so rather than the, the centre determining what Liverpool's game is like and having the biggest impact on the team... The centre was often the place that just needed to be crossed and needed yeah. to be get over with. And then let the forwards do the other work and Correct. pass it between them and Correct. score, right? I think that's something that people have misunderstood about the Klopp teams. Mm -hmm. And I did for a long while. I mean, I used to say to him frequently whenever I got the chance, I'd say to him, you know, the midfield, who's your best midfield? Why, why are you doing this? And then the penny dropped. The midfield, you, you had to stop thinking about the midfield in the traditional sense because right. you know i grew up at midfielders who were creative go up and down the pitch score goals Klopp's best midfield didn't do that what they did they provided balance they covered for the uh, the um the wing backs going forward they screened the the defense and they pressed so what's interesting now when i mean i think there was an attempt to change that when they brought in Thiago to be more creative and it, it didn't really work. He's injured and, pretty much most of the season as well. Did it slows it down a little bit maybe? Or? Yeah, also, I mean, his, his, his passing skills are brilliant mm. and you're wondering why he wasn't knocking the ball forward and, you know, finding Salah, you know, d down the channels. It's interesting now. He's bought this summer what strikes me as two creative midfielders. Um, I'd, I'd say McAllister is more of a... 
typical Liverpool midfielder. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't scream creative to me. Mm, he can he can he can pass the ball well. Yeah, no, of course no, he can he, pass the ball. You I have mean, to be a, a top player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's not likely to be. He, he's a bit more than just recycling. It. No. For example, like Henderson, uh, that opens another debate, which Jamie Carragher started, which I thought was interesting. This question of has Liverpool changed too much? Have they become too technical too midfield? Mm. Have they become too lightweight? Whereas the intensity that Vinaldo and all these guys used to provide, where it was just bang, 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 and then let the forwards do their thing and let the fullbacks do their thing. Um, I think Liverpool had to, again, had to gradually evolve because that intensity was very hard to apply against lower half of the table teams who would just sit and not give you a chance to win the ball back in different in, in difficult areas or would not really go at you and then you had a chance to play in a counter-attack. So you had a lot of the ball and suddenly if you have three midfielders who are not really that great on the ball, you, ha you had a big problem. And I think it became very slow mm. and it became very predictable and that's why they brought in Thiago. And that's why you see players like Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones getting more of a run in there. They're more technical players in my mm. view. They're not really sort of Klopp 1.0 Liverpool midfielders mm. who run up and down. So I think that's necessary, that gradual evolve. It's, it's finding the right balance. And for me, it's, it comes down to numbers. Two things. One, you need a holding midfielder because we saw last season what happened when Fabinho was no longer the Fabinho from the year before when he was absolutely world-class. Don't remember many players dropping as much as he did from last season to the next, and he was a shadow of himself. And Liverpool, well, as a result, quality. in terms of quality, yeah. and Liverpool as a result had did not have the the balance and the stability and the protection of the back four that the system absolutely needs. So now with him gone, the impetus really is is stronger than ever to have a real specialist there. And Lavia is, is good. He's a tally. He's 19, though. He's still young, though. And mm. to give him that role and that responsibility to protect the back four while you have your two eights bombing forward, you have your full backs, so or at least one of them going forward, you know, you effectively become the third centre back, not, not necessarily in terms of your positioning, but in terms of the role that you're playing. You're up against the number 10, or you may be up against the second striker. So there's a lot of defensive responsibility. And Fabinho being tall and strong did it beautifully. I think without that type of player, Liverpool would struggle. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things that they have lost and weren't expecting to is not only Fabinho, but Henderson. They provided an awful lot of help for the back four. You know, they were auxiliary defenders and that's gone. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akimwalere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hogan's arm was raised in there. Origi with a chance. And surely that wins it for Liverpool. Divock Origi is the hero in the final for Liverpool against Tottenham. We, we go back to 2019 after winning the Champions League. You know, traditionally... Always, you talk to people at Liverpool for, you know, I mean, I've been around a long time. You know, you go back to the 80s and it was always buying a position of strength, buying a position of strength. And they didn't do that then. And maybe that's when they needed to be refreshing the midfield and bringing younger players in and developing them. And it didn't quite happen that way. And Klopp alluded to this. Sometimes you need to stick to players, not because of what they're doing so much on the pitch, but off it. I think with Henderson... Maybe his time had come already mm. last season, mm. but because he was the captain and he had such a huge role to play behind the scenes, um, really Klopp's lieutenant when it comes to the discipline, mm. the professionalism, like Milner as well, by the way, that I think Klopp didn't feel that he could be phased out. It was a lot, that transition has been a lot more effective up front where they've really been able to recycle the front three only Salah being left now without really losing that much of of the firepower and it was a very smooth transition but in midfield it was always going to be more difficult because I think of the size of the characters involved especially with the captain the elephant in the room is probably from your point of view why I'm, why I am still sitting here in this crazy world last man standing I'm, I'm aware of the fact that I'm sitting here because of the past not because of what we did this season to you already if he would have this would be my first season that would be slightly different Tony Klopp has earned this air of in- invincibility we were having a chat just before you both sat down and my producer was like I don't know how much longer he might last Liverpool if form continues in the same way as last season how long can Jurgen Klopp stay at Liverpool well, I think the first thing you need to say is the owners are absolutely enthralled to him mm. you know he's um, he's got so much goodwill it's untrue however <laughs> There's always the bottom line involved in this. And um, uh, Kenny Dalglish once said to me, he said, uh, every man is only eight games away from the sack. And th- there is an element of truth. He was exaggerating, obviously, for comic purposes. But there is an element of truth of that. And despite how much the owners love Klopp, I've had quite a few dealings with John W. Henry over the years. And he's um, he's he's a... Uh, He's a strange character, but you know he's a tough character. And I think if they were in a real mess in October, it'd certainly be crossing their minds whether. They're... But then again, you look at Liverpool and you say, "Could they get a better manager than Jurgen Klopp?" I don't think they could. That would be 
part of the thinking. You know, if there's another Jurgen Klopp out there, a younger, better Jurgen Klopp, then yeah, let's let's look at him now. But even the kind of play, the managers that have been mentioned as possible successors, they've sort of fallen by the wayside. Gerard a couple of years ago was talked about somebody oh, who might was, that was never ever consideration <laughs> never <laughs> you know, Fenway Fenway never ever got Steve in any way they never understood because they came in at the tail end of his career and they kind of didn't give his status and they certainly didn't think he was a future manager of Liverpool never for one but that second that felt like a fan's favourite that felt like a fan's narrative as definitely definitely yeah. Pepe Linders was another name that was mentioned mm. Um, I think his his status has probably suffered a little bit yeah. because of what happened last season, and rightly or wrongly, he was being identified for that lack of steel in the in the Liverpool midfield, and Liverpool's game had become too help, had become too tactical, too technical. That's one thing. I think also because of Klopp's achievements, they will let him pick his time of the mission, even if let's say. We're in a situation where they're in midfield at a table and things are going falling apart and he's he's losing his patience with the players and they don't they don't like him anymore. I think we'll still be in a position where Liverpool will say to Klopp, okay, at the end of the season, that's it. I, I can't see him getting sacked in the traditional manner that he's just gonna get suddenly he's gone and somebody else do turns you, up. Do you think it's a more of a possibility if things are going wrong, he'll walk away? I think he will not want to walk away on a low. I think if things, if there's another bad season, he will probably think, okay, two more years left, right, let's win something in those two years before I go. So I think it's very hard to see a scenario whereby he gets either fired or he walks away next season. And I don't think they will be having a bad season. I've tipped them to come third. I still think for all their flaws, you look around them and a lot of top teams are still in transition. How far Chelsea under Pochettino with this 300 players under contract? I mean, no European football, of course, for Chelsea. Yes, but that could also be a negative if you have so many players who can't <laughs> play. Um, no, I expect them to be improved, but how quickly will they improve? How will Newcastle fare now that they're in the in the Champions League? Will they be as good, as intense as they were last year? I don't think they've bought well in the summer either. So I still think that Liverpool after City and maybe Arsenal are one of the best three teams. And then what is failure? You know, it's, of course, if you come fifth again and miss out on the Champions League, that would hurt the club a lot. And at which point we might be having that conversation. But in a strange way, I think the pressure on, on Klopp and Liverpool has also been lowered because of what City are doing and how they're being perceived, especially since Haaland has arrived. I don't think anyone can turn around and says, oh, Liverpool, you know, you haven't challenged City hard enough where you're 90 points this season because 90 points still isn't enough. I don't see that pressure to win the Premier League that existed a few years ago where not winning it would have been a massive failure. I don't, we, I think we're living in a different world now and now it's City and then everyone else. I mean, I don't think this season, I don't think anyone at Anfield is realistically thinking of winning the title. I think it's getting into the top four I mean, they'll always say, oh, yeah, of course, you're in it to win the title. And everyone wants to win the title. It's not like a defeatist thing, but realistically, got to go in the top four. Something finally I just want to pick on is we talked about earlier what happened at Dortmund, obviously, and obviously we've seen a, a decline from Liverpool, even though they are really the team in well, the last five, ten years, really, to go toe-to-toe -to -toe in Manchester City. You've got a bunch of players who've 
operated at the highest level, intense football, whatever, it's in- inevitable that disillusion might set in. So trying to manage those players that you did previously is a big job for someone like Jurgen Klopp. In the same way, it probably is for Pep Guardiola, who have got, who's got a team now, who just want to treble and try and get that fire back again. Um, do you think that's what makes it much easier for Jurgen Klopp coming into this season? Mane's gone, certain other personnel have gone. You've almost got a bit of a, a relative blank canvas to play with. I think it's got a nice blend between having a functioning team and a platform and a structure that is very familiar to these players, but enough new, fresh blood impetus, injection of creativity, injection of, of something a little bit different, if, and this is the big if, if they can get those, at least one signings right. Personally, I would also like to see a bit more quality in the fullback positions and a bit more depth. I think you're very reliant, again, on, on Trent and yeah. on Robertson, who are freaks of nature in terms of their dependability especially Robertson mm-hmm. but to give them a bit of a rest especially in the Europa League would would be I think a really good thing um, and they haven't really done that with the exception of Chimikas there's no there's no one there so I would I would like to see that but no I think motivating the players this year is going to be really easy because they missed out on the on the Champions League they know that they're underachieved. The, the new the new ones coming in want to get back to that level where Liverpool were a couple of years ago, or it will be two years, but it's only 12 months ago, really, when they challenged on all fronts for the biggest trophies. And most importantly, like in every organization, especially this one here, the Athletic, it all depends what the people on the top say. Mm-hmm. If they are really motivational if they're really driven if they come to work with a smile on their faces thinking okay let's do something special today i believe in you that breeds a really nice culture of of a good working environment and i get the sense that klopp has that at the moment it might change it might shift into frustration when he feels my squad isn't ready come the end of august we don't know that yet but as of today I would say he seems very motivated and happy, and I think that will rub off on the players. Yeah, well, you saw it last year when Klopp's ever his best and the team are going well. And, you know, at the end of the game, it's all hugs and you know and everything. Last year, it was like sort of passive aggressive, sort of shoulder bumps, and you know you could see the frustration you from both the players and from Klopp. You know, it wasn't the the, the sort it. of yeah yeah the lovey dovey sort of situation. So he's got to recapture that. And what club teams, it seems to me, and you'll know more about this, Rafa, because you've followed them you know, for way longer than, than I have. What at the best, there's a, a, a unity of purpose and belief. And he's got to get that back. And it's good that you've got, you know, new ears in the dressing room who will be hearing what he's saying for the first time. Because players can, you know, they, they've heard it all before and they kind of switch off. Well, you've got sort of new people coming in, and uh, so so th- th- that's a positive thing. If he can galvanise them, if he can harness them in the way he's done before, Liverpool will have a good season. Yeah. And 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 that's the one thing I think Jurgen Klopp can do. He is he's a leader. 
and a motivator. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Look, could keep going all day, but Tony, Rafa, thank you so much for your time. I think Rafa's already given us a hint for our next podcast, The Freaks of Nature, Andy Robinson <laughs> and Trent Alexander-Arnold. But thank you very much for joining us. And I remember you can read more from Rafa and hear more from Tony on our dedicated Liverpool podcast, Walk On. And also don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic today for just one ninety nine a month for an entire year at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beale. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.